Welcome back to the show, everybody. My name is Josh Forty, and today we have a very special guest. If you don't know him, you should know him. And if you do know him, you know that you know him. Uh, and I'm very excited to talk to him today about a lot of things, but particularly around if you're if you want to learn about relationships, just in general, high profile relationships, how to build a business, a seven, multi seven, maybe eight. I don't know where he's at now. A big business based solely on relationships. Then you're in for a treat. Welcome to the show. The billion click bearded legend. I came up with a nickname for you for, just for the show. Welcome, Damon Burton. How are you, sir? Thanks, Josh. Um, I'm excited to talk for many reasons, and um, I feel like I feel like I have a little leverage on this one because you're a father now. Like, welcome to my territory. I do. I am. I am a father now. <laughs> Crazy. You're, actually, this is the first episode I'm doing, or the first interview I'm doing post fatherhood. Perfect. Crazy. This is perfect. This is yeah. perfect. Well, you know, the topic she talked about um, before the bearded uh, billionaire click comment, um, I think is great because relationships is how you and I met and yeah. then relationships is how you and I have stayed in touch. Yeah. Okay. And that, I think that's, what's crazy is dude, for the longest time, I just couldn't figure you out. It was so <laughs> wild. Like we had our podcast cause we got in introduced via, via Emmy. podcast actually, but via Emmy. Right. Yeah. And then, um, we got on and then you just like started sending me gifts. And I was like, why? Was it the second or third one? I, I don't even know how many I sent you, but like, was it the first one? You're like, what's up? No, with this? the first one, it was like, okay, that, you know, that happens. But then it was like the second one and it was like pretty close together. Right. And there was no reason for it. It wasn't like a year uh -huh. later and it was just out of the blue. It was like a month or two. And then like a third one came and I think, um, I think where it really clicked where I was like, okay, he's just a cool dude, I guess, was when you sent Leah, my wife, that um, pinata for her birthday. Do you remember that? Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. And we took it out and we wanted to, I don't know, I don't remember if we sent you the you, video or you, not. You but did, you got on your Jeep. I Yeah, I hung it over the Jeep <laughs> and she had like the machete, right? Uh -huh. And she was like hitting it out with the machete. And she's like, why did he send this? I'm like, I don't know. He just keeps sending gifts. I don't get him. He's cool. I go with it. <laughs> And I'm like, okay. And I think like part of the reason I'm like excited for the podcast, and we briefly talked about this before, I, you know, I had Think Different Theory and that was going really well. And the idea behind that was to ask life's biggest questions. And then obviously the app, whole Apple thing happened and we had to rebrand and then, you know, we kind of started again or whatever. And I don't think I lost track of the purpose of, the, of my original intention with the podcast. I just second guessed it and was like, was that just luck or was that just, you know, I was just trying to, you know, be a good marketer type deal or whatever, but yeah. it's not. And the more I, especially, especially with pregnancy, you know, by my wife being pregnant now actually being a dad, asking life's biggest questions, like truly trying to understand life and figure out people, figure out, you know, how it all works and asking really good questions. One mm -hmm. of the things that's become incredibly, incredibly important to me through this is relationships. And as much as I hated relationships early on in my career, I'm like, ew, relationships are messy and people are yucky and ugh, right? Because, you know, That's past experiences. True. Yeah, but we all are, right? So, but mm -hmm. like, I tried to avoid it. Now, like most of my money and most of my success in, you know, whatever capacity that looks like has been through relationships. And I've, I've started asking, once again, just with the podcast to ask life's biggest questions to just distill down success so that, you know, idiots like me can, can have some success. Relationships have been at a core part of that. And I think that you mm -hmm. do, 
you do relationships. I don't even know, like different, definitely differently than, than most anyone else I've, I've met. Um, and I've been fascinated by that. And that's kind of the topic I feel like we're most, I mean, we'll, we'll just chat, but like, I feel like that's where it's going to be, but like in a nutshell, in a nutshell, actually, my question is in a nutshell, what's your approach to relationships? But in answering that, give me a 30 second context for those of you people that have no idea who you are. Like, give me your credentials. Like you built a business, how much revenue, blah, blah, blah. You've done all this stuff. What do you do? But then, then answer that question. Sure. Yeah. Um, so Damon Burton founded a, a search engine optimization company in 2007, um, run a team of 50 or 60, um, built that into mid seven figures in annual recurring revenue without spending a dollar on ads. Um, big part of those relationships, which we'll talk about. Um, so that's kind of the crash course background, work with a lot of high profile people, NBA teams, Russell Brunson um, wrote a book about it. Um, there's the credentials. Um, okay. Yeah, so perfect. Re relationships. You're legit. Uh, the way that I look at relationships is um, kind of in two phases. Like th there's a part of it now that's intentional, um, but it's intentional without expectation. So it's like, yeah. I do it strategically, but not because manipulate, not manipulatively, but where it started was um, largely just, and, and still is a big part of it is I just enjoy relationships. And like the, the further you get in success, the generally the smaller your circle gets in some way, like it gets bigger, but it gets smaller. And so yeah. you have a bigger reach and a bigger audience, but your, your inner circle for lack of uh, pun um, gets smaller. And, mm. and so I'm, you're more protective of your time and your mental bandwidth. And so when there's an opportunity for somebody to engage, uh, for like me to engage with somebody that I'm like, oh, they would compliment that for, you know, your, your mental sanity. And, um, like it, it, the more success you find, the harder it is to find people that can relate to the things that come with it. Right. right. And so then it's like, oh, it must be nice. First world problems and this and that, which is totally true, but it doesn't lessen the effect of how much it weighs on you. Right. And so, um, when there's an opportunity to network with somebody, then I'll, I'll th that's where, where, uh, that's where a lot of it starts with. Um, but then the way I get there is, is the wild card. And, and so I don't have like, like you and I, right. When we first met, it's like, it was pretty simple in concept where it's like, I want to have some sort of association with Josh. I didn't know what it meant beyond that. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to pause you right there. Why? And, and here, here's the context behind that question. Mm -hmm. One of my best friends who you know, but we need to get you knowing more of is Brad Gibb, right? Mm -hmm. And I had him over at my house, we were chatting and I asked Brad, like, what are my strengths and weaknesses getting feedback? Mm -hmm. And he said, Josh, one of your biggest strengths is that you are delusionally self-confident, uh, almost to the point where it is unearned, right? And like, to me, that is a fantastic compliment because I'm just like, mm -hmm. yes, that is me, right? And so I say this with understanding that like, I'm just me for a second. I uh -huh. have, I have incredible value in myself. And so I believe that I am worthy of a, I believe I'd make people's lives better because I choose to try to do that. Right. Uh -huh. But the time that we met years ago, I don't uh -huh. feel like I was particularly, cert I, can, I certainly I wasn't as valuable that. as I am now. Right. I didn't have as much leverage or pull maturity. Why did you want to be friends with me? Yeah, I can answer that. Um, and then I'll actually come back to what you're getting at too. Yeah. Um, so at the time, um, I wanted to uh, get in my reps with podcasts, right? But mm. I didn't want to just do any podcast. And so you, of the little I knew of you at the time, 
you're it had nothing to do with wanting to leverage any influence now or right, you right. had then like i knew very little about you and so it was um he's high energy he's positive um has a podcast it's about things that uh, are in the space that i can talk about or at least want to be recognized within but let's connect and it was pretty simplistically that um so but but you bring up a great point about like uh, so let's 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 replay it let's say we didn't know each other and i engaged you and now i do know uh your network it still would have wouldn't have been different because even if there's somebody like like russell right russell has a lot that people would want to leverage but even with somebody like that i don't want those things it's that yep. those are the type of people that understand our world and yep. so i want more people in those worlds and so the wild card part of it is if we continue to use russell as an example is so i've been in his inner circle three years now uh you played a part in in that introduction oh yeah we'll talk about that <laughs> and uh and now russell's one of my newest clients my goal in be in establishing a relationship with Russell was not to get anything. I want absolutely nothing from him. I also acknowledge that by having networks with people, opportunities come up. Yeah. And so the fact that like, I never had any intentional pursuit of Russell by proxy, we were in, there was opportunities that would come up. And so I don't, I never pursue anything directly. I like in, and part of what uh, there's a couple beautiful things that happen from that. One is that when you go and you serve somebody and you give without expecting in return, then you always get back that wild card. Something that you didn't expect that is generally greater than mm. what you could have got had you been intentional and manipulative to pursue something directly. So I've kind of been lucky in some ways where it's like just been my nature where it's selfishly rewarding to serve other people. And so now sure. I'm intentional about serving other people. And then from that, nice things happen. Yeah. But I don't go for the nice things. It just yeah. comes with the territory of helping other people. Yeah. And um, I think, I think you're very like, I know that you're genuine in, in what you're saying. Yeah. You know, I mean, I know you, I have a relationship with you and, and I feel that from you. And like, I think you and I are similar in a lot of ways that we both built our businesses based primarily on relationships, right? I mean, yours is probably almost exclusively, right? And mine is close to that. And I have a, you know, I have a program that where, you know, I teach people podcasting, how to make lots of money with podcasts, but they're like, well, how do you decide, you know, what you're going to ask the person or how, how do you pick, you know, who's your ideal client to have on your podcast or whatever? And I'm like, I don't, mm -hmm. I just, I just identify the people that I want to talk to. And then I build a relationship with them. And then if it happens to come up that they have a, you know, a problem that I can solve, then I like, I'm like, oh my gosh, let me help you with that. And then I mm -hmm. do it. And they're like, let me hire you. Right. And they're like, well, how do you build a business that way? I'm like, I don't know. They're like, how much is the client worth to you? I'm like, I don't know. Like some of them are worth nothing. And some of them are worth $300,000. Right. And there's, cause that's not the intention. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is so hard for people to comprehend. It's certainly hard for me to comprehend before I started doing it. Right. It's so hard mm -hmm. for people to comprehend that. Like you just genuinely want a relationship with other people with nothing in return. The, the the answer is delayed gratification. People have a hard time wrapping their head around delayed gratification. I, I think in general, people have a hard time with that, but it's more 
complicated these days because of social media and highlight reels and yeah. paid ads and instant gratification. And so the the attention span of people willing to invest in a long-term thing with an unknown payoff is a lot harder to wrap their head around than why I could do this thing over here and put a dollar in and get $2 out. But when you, when you, when you look at, uh, when you approach things the way that we're talking about, then it becomes not only more sustainable because it's built on something more solid and more than just a transaction, but then you also have um, the potential for instead of a dollar in a dollar out to have hockey sticks, you know, a dollar in $5,000 out. And then when, as we briefly talked about your inner circle becomes tighter and smaller, when you get into these inside relationships, because everybody's on a similar level of understanding how valuable those relationships are in your mental bandwidth, they're very protective of the people that are in that group. And so when you get in, you get into a very protected space that now people will put their name behind your name. And so then you get access and privileges that you wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. So there's countless, like I couldn't have, I could have never paid for ads to get Russell as a client. Right. Okay. So that's, okay. So that's, that's a great question or segue into the question. And we're not done with this conversation. So we'll, we, we can tear into this, but like, I was like told like, okay, relationships aren't tangible. You can't really measure them. That's not how a real business is run, right? Like I remember hearing that early on, right? It's like, you need ads because you need KPIs. You need to track things and yada, 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 mm. right? And then you have people like you that's like, well, I built a multi-seven-figure business with off of relationships. And I go, okay, when I actually, I try to take, when it comes to like principles of success and particularly when I'm in the mindset space of the podcast, the podcast is my place to think and to analyze and to ask questions, right? When I look at the world today, and you scale to the highest level of things, like the ultimate, like who are the like the, the top dog power players, right? And like in an industry, you might think Russell Brunson, but like in the world, you're talking like the Elon Musks of the world, right? Or the mm -hmm. uh, Larry, um, what's the Google guy's name? Um, Page. Perry Page, thank you, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're not running ads to them, right? Mm -hmm. Like the whole world, when you actually study it, it seems to me as though like, it's all built on relationships. When like when mm -hmm. one of my favorite pictures is like when Elon, did you see the leaked text between Elon and Larry when he was raising money for Twitter? Mm -mm. Oh, dude, he would he texted Elon or he texted Larry and he was like, Hey, I'm raising money for you know to buy Twitter or whatever. Um uh are you in? I'm not gonna ho hold you anything, but if you are, like, what do you think? Mm -hmm. And Larry goes, Um, yeah, I would do a billion, um, or whatever you think. And Elon yeah. goes, I would recommend two billion. Because like, I think this has huge potential upside. Yeah. It's like over a, a four conversation text, yeah. a multi-billion dollar deal just went down. It's like yeah. run an ad to that, right? You can't. So you can't. how do you, how does one, I guess like there's the yin and yang of life, right? There, like, it's like, do you sell with emotion or logic? It's like, well, yes, right? <laughs> like you just yeah. do. And so it's like in relationships or in building success in a network, have you found... Like you're very good and, and and you've you've said that the the key to it is is having no expectation of return. That's how I got Russell. That's how you built your relationships, right? Like you can't go in with an ulterior motive, hundred percent. Mm -hmm. Do you, however, feel like or in your process of building all of these relationships with people, which you've done a phenomenal job with, that there are not KPIs, but that there are 
things that you can do or look at to like measure the progress of the relationship or like the not the value of it but like the the substance behind it or not i i me personally no conceptually yes um but i've never done it and and i don't think that i ever will because then it taints your intention of the relationship as okay. soon as you start exploring you know, can I leverage? You actually said something in a text you sent me. I can't remember what we we're talking about, um, but you had a phrase that, for whatever reason, stuck with my stuck in my head, and it was um, I don't even remember what it was, but you, it, it was somebody we had a mutual contact with, and you said I could ask so and so, but I don't want to use relationship capital. Right. And so like, as soon as you start measuring these, cause you get in these relationships we talked about without expecting in, in return, as soon as you start quantifying, if it's measurable, then you start adding in expectations of something in return. So yes, you could, but I think you open up the door to taint why the relationship was successful to begin with. Yes, but not Okay, like intention matters, yes? Yeah. Hugely, right? So like if I wanted to better understand something, like I would want to understand what makes up its parts, right? So like what I'm asking is not how do I measure what I can, what what it's worth to me. But like, for example, I went and I studied the the core components of, of a powerful relationship, right? Like what actually makes up whether or not you and I have a relationship or not. Not like how, like not, not, not what, what you can get from yeah, it. Not, just like, what are the components of it? And what I found was basically three things, right? Number one is that the, the foundation of any relationship is somewhere along the line, there's a shared value or values, right? Mm -hmm. So like, if we have nothing in common at all, we have no shared values at all, it's like, then we're not probably we're not gonna have a relationship. But if like the only thing we have in common is we both liked football, well, we could have that level of it. And if we got mm -hmm. further, we both like family, right? Like so, like somewhere along the line, it, there's values, right? Mm -hmm. And then the next part of that would be like in order for a relationship to continue, like get stronger, deepen, there must be mutual benefit to both parties. Like you, my life must get better by being around you, your life must get better by being around me. Because if my life gets worse, I'm not gonna wanna be around you and vice versa. Now that's not to say like, oh, what can I get out of you? But rather, what can I give to make their life better, right? So there has to be mutual benefit. And then third is there has to be some level of consistency over time, right? Like you can't just go and be like, well, now I hate you. Or now I no longer value the things that you value. And me be like, okay, cool, we're still friends. There ha you yeah. have to still be you, right, over time. And so yes. when I look at those, I go, okay, if those are like the three elements of a, not like what I'm measuring per se, but just like I look like the components of it, right? Okay. Then I feel like I could intentionally make the relationship stronger with no ulterior motives, Got right? It. Like by focusing on those three things, yes or no? I would, I would agree with that. Yes. So okay. it, 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 now, now I understand the clarification. So it's, yeah. it's analyzing it, not for benefit, but for optimization. Right. Okay. That's, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. 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 Um, now coming full circle, do I, do I do that? 
Um, I've never, I, I've never directly thought of it that way, but I'd probably say yes. And that probably actually ties back to, um, cause where I'm trying to separate in my head is, um, you know, you can, you can contribute to this concept of intentionality for optimization, but my head wants to default. Does it have to be on a grand scale? And this is where I, this is where I, I'm hitting dead ends going, no, that doesn't sound right. So then on the opposite side of that, I'm thinking, well, it doesn't have to be on a grand scale. I mean, on a small scale. And where that brings me back to is, is like the gifts. Right. And right. so, and I think about the examples you gave of when our relationship first started and yes, that was the intent because it's like, okay, how, how can I contribute to Josh's life in a way that's not cheesy? Right. Right. And so I, like the idea of swag and stuff like that. I've never been a big fan of. Right. Um, and so it's like, I'm not going to send Josh uh, a thing of his own company. I'm certainly not going to send him a thing of my company. Except so what... for condoms with your face on it. Other than that. <laughs> Cause that definitely happens. <laughs> that, that, I don't, do we, do we, do we elaborate on that now? Or do we just like, nope, no just context. Okay, just that. Right, we'll leave it. Just right. that. <laughs> I did, other than the acknowledgement that I, in fact, did give him condoms with my face on it. So, sorry, we'll leave it at that. So, if I think about, um, okay, of the little I know of Josh, um, what can I send? Like, I, in the beginning, I didn't know enough about you to send you something hyper personal. Right. So, therefore, my goal on the opposite side is to not send you something hyper generic. And so mm. what can I provide without knowing okay. with confidence That's good. that is personal? And so the pinata is a great example because a pinata is not generic. Right. And it is unique enough that it's memorable. And in the context of how it was sent, it provides value in the form of entertainment and some sort of acknowledgement where Damon spent time on me. Right. He spent intentional time on me. So yeah, I, I suppose I do. And, and it probably in its infancy is in the form of those gifts. So how then do you like, dude, with the amount of gifts that I get from you, or just like that, I know other people get from you. Like, how do you even manage? Like, it's gotta be a full-time job, right? Cause I know I'm not <laughs> the only one you're sending gifts to, right? It's, like, how do you manage? That's funny. You bring this up because it's getting there. Yeah. Like I'm starting. Okay. So let's start with the basics, right? So the concept of how do you send gifts that are personable without knowing enough personal things? That's the first thing is like, okay, so I have, I have a handful of things that I really enjoy sending. Um, so like one, I just sent you, um, after your child was born yeah. and it's, um, this custom, it, it it's a food gift, but it's not, it is the food, but it's also the unboxing experience. Right. Yep. Right. For sure. And so there's, it's an emotional experience, but it's very intentional because you just had a child. I know what it's like. Food sucks. Time is short. You don't want fast food all the time. So here's something that you can make that's healthy, that tastes good, that satisfies the need that you, the, all the, all the pros of fast food without any of the cons. Right. And, and it's through an experience. And so it's like, how can I come, come up with, or how can I identify gift giving options that are unique, but are intentional. And so that that's kind of been the first evolution was when I realized years ago, this is just something I enjoy. So then how do I do it repetitively? 
yeah. and they had to find those common denominators. And so the common denominators were things that are useful and not generic. And then, so I started mentally bookmarking things for different occasions. Interesting. And so then when those occasions came up with new relationships, then I had to go too. Like I didn't have to reinvent the wheel and I knew that I could consistently establish some sort of relationship while also giving value to that person's life. So that's the first part of the answer. Now you say in full-time job and things like that, I laugh because I'm running out of mental bandwidth of remembering who I've sent what for which occasions. Yeah. And so I, I'm, I'm actually trying to decide like, do I, do I commit to this enough that I, create some sort of matrix or database over who I've sent what for what occasion. So it's a valid question. I, but I feel like there's, I mean, I, I hate when people are like, just create a, like create a software for it. Cause I'm like, there's a billion softwares. You don't need another software. But like, I feel like there's a void here in the sense of like a traditional CRM isn't going to cut it. Right. Mm. But like for someone like me who does appreciate I mean, I, I like giving gifts as well, right? That's definitely high on my love language as far as like what I like to do for other people. It It is a full-time job, right? Or, you know, kind, kind of think through these things. But like also, I feel like your actions, generally speaking, reflect who you are as a person most of the time, right? So like if I send gifts, it's typically when the intentions are correct, it's because that's the type of person that I am. That's that person that you are. Mm -hmm. So if I were to be the bet, like if Tom Brady was really good at football and he like wanted to become the best at football, he would then build systems with intentionality that allowed him to be better at football, right? Mm -hmm. And you wouldn't be like, oh, well, he's just doing that, you know, just because he wants to be better than everybody else at football. It's like, well, yeah, but like, that's not a bad thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so like, I feel the same thing with the relationship thing where it's like, if you build systems around that and commit to that that allows you to be better at it than anyone else yes true yeah and i feel like that that problem i don't feel like there's a good solution at least not that i know of for it well it also depends on the context of the relationship because i can answer this slightly better in the scope of client relationships okay because we have built processes around that okay. so if we can take the same concept of acknowledging a person so in this case a client um as an individual um, and, and that's the key, especially in this, because because now we're shifting gears like B two B, right? Or and so yeah. when you acknowledge a client, you you it, from my perspective, it's like I'm sending an acknowledgement not to continue to buy the relationship and hope they continue to pay the invoices, right? But for the same concept to establish a relationship to acknowledge that we provide value and we look at you more than just an invoice, and so same concepts apply. How much do you know about your clients? How can you send something that's personable if you don't know enough about them as an individual? And so what we've done is we've built out touch points and processes and, and, and put them into our documentation or SOPs. And so I'll walk you through like the ascension of, of those touch points. And so in the beginning, when you bring on a client, you know... Hold on one second. Yeah, because I do want to go there. Just real quick, frame context of this of... What percentage of the relationships that you have, would you say, are people that are non-client or potential client down the road? Not that you have the intention of turning them into okay, a client, I, like non-business versus business. So, so despite us talking about relationships and the effectiveness of it in my world, the the 
minority of them, uh, I wouldn't say a small percentage, but if, if it's like more or less than 50%, yeah, less than 50% of them have come from uh, this historical process, right? And, and so the majority of them, yes, have come from relationships, but it's been like, Josh sent me somebody and I don't know that person at all. So Got there's it. a warm introduction, but I don't know a lot about the person themselves. Does that answer it? But but I'm talking about I'm talking about business versus non-business relationships versus like outside of clients, outside of because like you and I have a personal relationship, yes, but our relationship started because of the business world, right? Right. So and that developed into a personal relationship. What percentage of your relationships that you have like strong relationships with people are outside? of the business world that that where you connected with someone or, or got introduced to them and there's nothing because I, I can't be it can't be many right like oh, a majority so the, has so to be the, the business world because we're entrepreneurs so so are you asking personal that became clients or clients that then became personal neither i'm asking purely separately forget about like the client process that we're about to talk about i'm just mm -hmm. curious in general of the percentage of your relationships how many came from the business world and how many came from outside of the business world where they my, started. My current network is largely entrepreneurs. Yeah. And okay. Sort of and that's what I said. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. With, so now, with, with, good. with few exceptions of people that I've known since like teenagers. Right. Right. And I would, I'm in that same boat. So now in the, in the concept of business world, there are essentially two groups, if you will, more or less of people, which are just relationships. In the business world or whatever, you, me, you, well, Russell's a client now, but just generic business world and then client specific, right? And you have a process built into SOPs for the client specific. Correct. Okay. Go. So so on the client specific ones, that that's what I want to uh, give the, the example to of like touch points. And so yep. some of this, I, I can speak with more clarity on how to create a model. Cause ultimately that's kind of what you're saying is there's, there's a missing right. opportunity here and how do you create a process out of it? So I have yeah. that more in the client specific relationships than I do in the wild card of just personal relationships. So, so in client relationships, it's like, usually you don't know them hyper-personally in the beginning that may evolve over time. Yep. So therefore you don't want to come in and give hyper-personal gifts because it's weird. And so what you start with is general stuff. So like a really good example is when we onboard a, a client, uh, one of the first things we do within week one is send them a welcome kit, but the welcome kit is not swag and it's not all corporate crap. That's boring. It, it, but there is educational material in there. So you can establish expectations of like in my scope of SEO, it's like, this is how this works and this is how long it's going to take, but in it, it's very personal. And so like, I'll give you one example is, um, Oh, uh, a couple of years ago, I had somebody, uh, a friend of mine, send me um, a, a Roman coin, and you might you might have seen this post, but he sent me a handwritten letter with a, a coin that's two thousand years old, and the letter in summary said, "This coin represents freedom of time, because two thousand years ago, a master would effectively ask a slave, what would you trade your life for?' And it was this coin." And so the note went on to say, continue to be unordinary and continue to not trade your time for a speck of silver, right? And so the the story behind the him giving me that and the person the 
the personability behind it of him willing to spend the time to write me a letter and tell me a story and give me something unique is impactful. And so that's a good example where you can take, and we started integrating that into our, our welcome kits Okay. because we can go, this coin represents the time you saved that you can spend on things that you value more mm. than SEO. And so now you reinforce mm. your expertise and why they hired you while giving them some sort of personal engagement because you hand wrote a card and I don't know anybody else that's sending 2000 year old coins. Right. So you start with something where it's like, you can either re reinforce your expertise, reinforce their purchasing decision, but we also don't want to be manipulative about this. And so we're not sending swag and we're not kissing their ass, but it's like, I'm going to hand write this because you yeah. matter to me. Yeah. So and also, starts... but I also think that that comes back to right there too, which would be a shared value, which is time. And you know, the fact that they want to go do things that are more valuable to them outside of the, something that they're not an expert at just as you want to as well. I think the concept of time is so underutilized. And even I didn't acknowledge that until I started including this coin after my friend had sent it to me, because when I verbalized it, when I'm like, you know, you hiring us as an agency saves you frees up your time to not to literally not spend the time doing this, but also right. metaphorically in your mental bandwidth. Right. And so now you have these experts, which frees up your time that you can go to when, when I looked at it that way, you know how valuable time is. I know how valuable time. All of us know how valuable time it is. But I never had thought about positioning it as a value proposition in concept. I had, but but like right. quite literally said, "We are saving you time. Thank you for trusting us with yeah. the opportunity." So, okay, I want uh, continue. So, I have a so question on that. Fin fin finish the the the, the ascension. So, the, yeah, yeah, the ascension of of this because this is good. So, so we'll, we'll put in, so, so it's documented in our processes, like week one after onboarding, send them a welcome kit. And then after that, um, then we'll space it out because the other thing is, and you touched on this is, is, um, the, the frequency of gifts, right? So in the beginning, yeah. you're like, why is this guy sending me so much stuff? This is kind of weird. Yeah. And so that that's more likely to happen in a client engagement where it's like, are they just trying to buy me off? Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 And so you have to be gentle or sensitive to what you send when and in, in what order. So then what we do mm. is a month later, we'll, we'll just send them a thank you card. We'll just handwrite them a thank you card that says, we appreciate the opportunity to work on, you know, XYZ business. Okay. So it's, it's not over like the first thing, the Roman coin was, you know, was deep. Now it's just a touch point on, on that one. So then, then we, we slowly space it out. And so then we, I think at month three, um, we send them some sort of celebratory thing where it's like a win. We'll send them, we have a couple of clients that send food gifts. And so that's another thing that we'll do is we'll, we'll try to reinvest in the people that invest in us. So we'll, we will pay for our clients products to send other clients because that also creates an opportunity for you to share a story. Yeah. And so we can then go, what I recently did is, um, I redid our three month touch point where, it, so it still says, you know, congratulations. What ours says is, uh, you know, happy three month SEO birthday or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so now what we, we do is we modified it where it still says that, but then we go, you know, one example might be, um, Rockwell. So Rockwell watches is a new client. And so oh, nice. we bought some of their inventory. And so now at three months I can go, um, you know, Hey, happy three month SEO birthday. Um, we, we like to share, 
uh, with our clients, the wins of our other clients. And so it kind of creates this concept of a community, you know, the SEO yeah. national community, but then we're also investing in our clients. And so I can, now I get wins with both clients because I tell Rockwell, I'm like, we're, we're buying inventory because we want to expose you to other people. Yeah. And so they're excited. And then when you give it to the client, then the client's like, oh, wow, like that's a big brand or one of our other clients sells like a beauty product. And so we asked him, we said, we want to include your product with some clients in our welcome yeah. kits. Could you write a little thing um, that we could include in it that explains what value you've got from working with us? And so now somebody else is evangelizing you. Yeah. And you're, you're getting wins on both sides. But see, like this right here, I feel like is what I'm... Like you're doing it this so intentionally with business in, in the business client setting, right? And I feel like because it is under the umbrella or within the the, the constraints of a business relationship, this works, right? Mm -hmm. Because like conceptually, that person, whoever you're asking, your client or whatever, knows that if they write that for you, that that's going to make your life better. But it's also going to make their life better, right? Mm -hmm. So they have no problem with the fact that it's like, oh, yeah, his life's going to get better, but he framed it in such a way or he made it in such a way that it's about me and it's going to make my life better too, right? Mm -hmm. And so like when I think through relationships, like I think that like it's finding, like, like I'm trying to find those things in, the personal side. Yeah, in, in, in the business, personal network, like my life is business. That's what it is, right? Like it's just, that's who I am. Like it's like, it's it's Leah and Willow now, Jesus and, and business. Like everyone's like, what do you do for fun? I'm like, what do you mean? I work. Like, yeah. what are you talking about, right? They're like, but like for fun. And I'm like, I don't know, smoke weed. Well, not with baby anymore, but like I used to smoke weed and go, go to the mountains, right? Like and <laughs> learn about, like I literally smoke weed and go on hikes and go to church on Sunday and then get back to work. Like, I don't know, right? Like the, and so for me, this is just who I am and how I operate. And I go, <sighs> business and relationships are just very intertwined with me. And guess what? Brunson and I have not done official business together. We may never. We may in a decade. We may in a month. I have no idea. But I have no intention out. Like, I have nothing behind. Like, I have no intention to be like, okay, when can I ask Russell, right? When can I ask Damon? But mm -hmm. at the same time, I go, Russell and, and you and Brad, right? Like there are, there are certain relationships that I'm like, I just like what these people bring to the world and mm -hmm. I want to make their life better. And I want to know, I want them to know that I value them and I want to continue to build those things up. And yeah, kind of, it's kind of selfish in a way because I'm like, I want them to know that I value them. But at the same time, the reason I value them is not because I want something from them, but it's because I like who they are and I want to promote their idea of who they are and what they stand for to the world. Right. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like trying, I've been, I've been really studying, especially with my, like the, the program that I have now of with podcasts, and it's all built around this concept of relationships. What are those things that you can do that are mutually beneficial to both parties? Cause otherwise mm -hmm. it's not worth my time and it's not worth their time. But if I can make it to where, when I do it, we both benefit. And it's very clear. It's not a made up benefit, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like a, hey, I'm, I'm trying to frame this so you think that it's a benefit to you when really yeah. it's a benefit. It's a genuine thing. And like, I feel like you have figured out or, or 
have a good process in place for the business side of things. And I feel like you probably have more structure than you realize on the non-business side of things. Probably. Yeah. Yes. And there's a couple of things you brought up that um, I want to touch on. So I, I am open to that idea that I probably have more structure too. The reason why I can't identify it is because I, I'm probably fearful of like we talked early, uh, earlier about if I acknowledge an intentionality mm -hmm. behind it, then I might taint it. Yeah, so I've, never I've never explored it. I'll t I don't, I don't know the answer, but I know where the answer is for you. The pro the, the reason why it's harder in personal relationships is because it's harder to identify the constants, right? So in business, there's constants, mm. no matter who my mm. client is, I can always send them a thank you card. I can always send them a welcome kit and I can always say it's their SEO three month birthday. Mm. Now here's a good example of why constants are harder is Brad. And you know this because I've asked you like, what about like, I can't figure Brad out. And then what's funny is I watched the interview that you had with him a couple of weeks ago and Brad's like, I have no feelings. <laughs> and, and so like Brad's a great example because I don't want anything specifically from Brad. And I've asked you for help, like whether it's like ideas or like even feedback, like, dude, I like, I remember one time I sent Ryan and Brad, um, I sent them cookies because they accomplished something. And I was just like, congratulations. Right. And I just wanted to contribute and acknowledge that they're doing something. And like you said, like, I yeah. want to establish value. I ended up running into Ryan a couple of days later at an event. And he's like, dude, like he hollered at me and it was in this big venue and and I heard Damon and I look around and it's him and he's like, what's up? Come here, you know, and waves me over. And it's like him and a couple other guys from inner circle and Ryan's kid. And he, Ryan points to his kid. He's like, this is the guy that sent the cookies. And like, Ryan was all stoked. And then I run into Brad and it's like absolutely no acknowledgement whatsoever. And I was just like, so confused. And I'm sure this is why Brad now jokes. He has no feelings, but I'm like, does this guy hate me? Or is this guy a dick? Yeah. Or like, and so Brad's probably got enough of that. And that's why he jokes about it now. But now, now I get it. Like, Brad is Brad. But okay, but I can tell you and I can say this because I know Brad well enough to where I know he can he'll he's okay with me saying this, right? But do you know why Brad? I mean, there is there is a definitely a percentage chance that he didn't even know you sent him cookies, honestly. His like he doesn't deal with any of his stuff. But let's say he did. Brad said that one of the most beneficial things that I added to his life was he helped or I helped him figure or understand himself better, right? In working mm -hmm. with him. If Brad can't compartmentalize and put in a box of logic this. what something is, it just gets lost because he's like, it it doesn't have a box, right? Mm -hmm. So if there's like cookies from a stranger about something that like he has no idea why that stranger knows the thing and he goes, well, what do I do with this? And there's no box to put it in, right? Then it just leaves because his brain is so working at such a level up here that there's no box to go into it. And he's getting mm -hmm. better at it for sure. But like, that's why I, I always joke with him, dude, I, I have never in my entire life, I have never met somebody that more people want to give money to that doesn't take it than Brad. Mm -hmm. Like I have literally been seeing his messages on his phone and people being like, I will pay you 18,000 or 25,000 uh, right now. Tell me where to send it. And he just like ignores it because he's like, I don't know where to put it. Like, I don't know where that fits mm -hmm. in because I don't have the thing for that. And he just ignores it. So it's even mm -hmm. people that want to like give him tons and tons of money. He's like, I don't know where it goes, right? And it's so fascinating with people like him. Anyway, I don't, I don't want to make this about Brad, but like, it's so fascinating when you actually get to know him. That's like the way you get in with Brad is you just figure out 
where you fit into a box in his brain. And then as soon as he can place you, then he'll take time to actually figure it out and figure out where it goes everywhere else. But it's yeah. like you said, it's figuring out that one box. Yeah. And, and so Brad is an example and, and getting to know him by proxy, um, you know, and, and he did come up at FHL and he did go out of his way to say hi to me. Like he came to me. Yeah. And he's getting and, way better at it. Yeah. But yeah. And so I was like, so that, that, that started to click for me. And I was like, just like, you're like, what the hell's Damon said to me? Get, that was like my version with Brad. I'm yeah. like, oh, okay. That's how Brad is. Yep. But, but that's a good example of there's, you know, if we're comparing business relationships and there's constants there, regardless of who the person is, yeah. like the, there's not as many constants in a personal relationship because you don't, you have less, like in a business relationship, it's like, there's an objective. You have a shared objective in a right. personal relationship. You have no specific objective more or less right so it's like it's harder to define constants that you can repeat on a pattern like you can okay a business relationship so think about that uh, let's play on that for a second because it's, i think you're on to something there so look at you know like hermosi right or i know you know you know you're not friends mm -hmm. with them but like you know hermosi right and do you know who alex becker is mm -hmm. so he's like another one right mm -hmm. where I mean, I'm sure Elon's the same way at the highest level. It's like, it's basically their entire life. Every aspect of it is like completely engineered towards one goal, right? Mm -hmm. And you listen to them and they will say, if you're not, like, if you're in my life, it's to help me get to this goal. And if you're not helping me get to the goal, then I have no need for you in my life. And I don't think they mean ill by that. Like, I don't think they're trying mm -hmm. to be an asshole, right? But like, they're just so completely and utterly locked in with like, this is where I'm going. So with that type of a person, how do you, I guess the question I'm actually getting at is how do you determine what, who, what type of people you want to have a relationship with? Because like, I, I feel like I could, I feel like I could build a relationship with just about anyone with enough intentional effort because it's like, I'd agree. It, if you just become the person that is valuable to their life, it's almost impossible for someone to say no because someone will always do what's in best interest for them. You might have to actually like not be intent or not be, you might have an ulterior motive, right? But you could, I could go build a relationship with those people. But at, at the same time, when you actually start to sit down and look at it, you go, yeah, but does that make, does that even make sense for me? But, like, cause like we're yeah. complete, you know what I mean? Well, How the, do you determine uh, that? Hermosi is a great example because, um, for a couple of reasons it is one you nailed it is because he has such a clear mission that he's after. And then he's literally said, you know, you're either contributing or you're not. Right. And, and a great example is, is something he also said in one of his clips was, you know, people message me all the time and say, I want to be involved in your life. How can I give you value? And Hormozzi said, you just took from me. You yeah. just wasted my time. And so you have to be proactive. So there's a component of proactiveness to this too. Yeah. So, Continuing to use Alex as an example, obviously, he, gotta... obviously Alex would be somebody that would be interesting to have a relationship with. And there's certain things that you could leverage, but we're even where we're going, okay, how do I just want to be in his ecosystem with nothing, wanting nothing from him? You bring up a great point. Like, I don't know that I would pursue that relationship because I already know that it has such a definitive direction right. that conceptually it's it's just bragging rights and that's not what right. i'm after because i can't contribute value to him he is so focused that it wouldn't provide the personability of a relationship 
that I'm pursuing. So generally when I'm pursuing relationships, it's like um, relatability and, you know, some sort right. of companionship and that wouldn't exist with somebody like Alex. And that's not to be, that's not a bad right, thing. Right. We're not bashing him in any way, shape or form. Yeah. And, and so you, you bring up a great point, like not all relationships you pursue and you've got to be honest with yourself. I think it's a little bit different for you and I, because we can genuinely say it is possible to pursue relationships without an intent, hundred percent, without an ulterior motive. But I don't think other people are as honest with themselves. Yeah, I think other people, if they said, "Oh, I could be friends with Hermosi and not want anything like bullshit," right? Like the majority of the people that are going to pursue right. something like that, they want the spotlight by proxy. Hundred percent. Right? Yep. And so we can come. We can use another example. Well, I, I just just one, one one thought on that, and then keep the example. Like people ask me with Russell a lot, right? They're like, "Could you introduce me to Russell?" Or like, "What do I do for Russell this or whatever?" Right? Or one of my favorite hatred favorite things people say is if i were friends with russell i am like and that's why you're not yeah right like yeah. it's ulterior well, motive right well, he was he was who i was going to give the example of and okay. so yeah perfect with with um so there, there there's like an evolution of the relationship um w w that culminated to you know we'll say the the current status of him and i engaging on seo and so when that started was um joining inner circle. Um, so I get in and we can still come back to the story about, um, so I get in with inner circle. So now I have direct access to Russell. Right. Right. And so while, while tons of other people are many people join inner circle for different reasons. And if you're not familiar with inner circle, it's Russell's mastermind. And so some people join for the curriculum, right? Cause you're among other successful people. And so you get to learn things. And so likewise, some people join for networking. Some people join purely for the access to Russell and hoping and some people something. join just because they want to hang out with their friend on the other side of an invisible line and pay $50,000 for a bracelet. That's, that's me. That's I just wanted to hang out with Josh. That's That's all. So what, so now that you have, so now you're in your circle, now you have access to Russell and so many people like I didn't take a picture with Russell until like two and a half years into knowing him or being Crazy. in inner circle because that's what everybody else was doing. And that's not a bad thing, but for me, it's like you're either giving or you're taking. And I know that Russell has no problem taking pictures, but conceptually I had a hard time with going up and taking 15 seconds of his time. Those are his 15 seconds. Yep. So I largely ran the other way. The first time I sat down and had any words with Russell at all was like a month after joining and and we have the the get together up in Boise and, and you're in a private facility and it was a lunch break. So lunch break, I went back to the hotel and took a nap and I came back and he's sitting at my table and it was just like me and Russell and one other person. And I'm just like, Hey, right. <laughs> and, like, and, and if you truly know Russell, uh, he has a stage presence that he often talks about being an introvert. It was, visibly so awkward, it was visibly noticeable how uncomfortable he was with what to say next. And so it was basically me, hey, and then him like, hey, in return. Yep. <laughs> that yeah. was the, the first it's conversation. It's so funny. And, and so the, what happened between then and now engaging with him, and I wouldn't by any means, like I couldn't call him up by any means. You You have a relationship significantly further than I do uh, as far as directly personal. But, but I can engage him now, right? right. And, and so what happened in between there was I didn't have any intentionality. Like 
sure it crossed my mind like if at some point we were able to work together obviously that'd be awesome yeah but i'm not going to go manipulate the relationship to try and pursue it directly and then yeah where you really have to ask yourself and be honest with yourself is like okay so what started to plant the seeds for the engagement was russell would fox me questions every once in a while and so that's that's an opportunity where many people would like he would ask me an seo question i would answer it and that's the end. And that's it. It wasn't yep. like, do you want me to send you a proposal? Right. Do you want me? Like, it was just like, he asked one thing, I'm going to answer one thing, and I'm not going to talk about anything else. Yep. And that happened every few months, which then became every few weeks, which then became a couple days within a short week or two period, which then became him going, you know what? Screw this. Uh, I'm a good starter, horrible finisher. Meet so-and-so. Where do we go from here? Yep. And so throughout the entire engagement, there there was multiple opportunities where I could have been selfish to try and be intentional and it would have never worked out. Yeah. But now he asked you and you didn't chase him, he chased you. And that's a whole dynamic switch, right? Because it's easy to get someone who has lower status and like just objectively speaking, I'm not saying we assign status, I just mean in general, like to the to the population, right? Like Russell understands that he has a level of status that you and I don't, right? He's not blind to that. It's easy to get someone that is lower than you in status to like come want to buy from you. It's very difficult or it's a much different game to have someone with higher perceived status come and chase you down. Because like now, once again, it's not about having leverage one over the other, but it is a fundamentally different relationship because now you know that they want what it is that you bring to the table and that you like, you know where you're providing value to their life. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay. So I want to turn the conversation because it's been really, really good about relationships, but I want to turn the conversation a little bit more personal. Um, because you know, we, you and I obviously have a relationship and we talk about, you know, shared values and, and things. And what's fascinating is one of the things, and you know, this, um, like one of the things that I respect about you most is how much you love your wife and how you take care and treat your kids. Right. Like it's, it's one of, I mean, I, right. It's, you know, how generous you are and those things. It's like, it, what I feel like it's a large part of what defines who you are, um, at a core level. And so as someone who I very, very much value the like idea of marriage and staying faithful to, you know, to your spouse, I think that's a, a morally good thing for society. Um, and then as someone who had a very present, uh, even though he, my dad worked a lot and was away a lot just due to, you know, needing to provide, I had a very present and active father in my life. And that played a insane role in who I've become today, right? And you see so many people, entrepreneurs especially, people with success that will sacrifice the relationship with their kids, the relationship with their spouse for work. And it's just, it's crazy, right? Mm -hmm. And so you and I have very, very common shared values there. What's interesting though, is that you and I differ probably the largest when it comes to religion, right? Mm -hmm. It Where I am not religious, don't worry, it's not gonna be a religious conversation, but like, mm -hmm. But like I, I, I assess or I, um, maybe not assess, I garnish a lot of my morals and values and things of, of that nature from religion, right? Specifically, or I say from a relationship with Jesus, right? Um, I, I hate traditional religion pretty, pretty heavily. I think it's a bunch of hypocrites, but I understand the purpose of it, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious, how do you... Like what made you, you in that sense? Because like you have, mm -hmm. 
you don't have like you, you clearly don't garnish it of like Jesus said so, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. like where I'm like, okay, this is a morally good thing, and then I experience, and then I continued. You just do it, right? Mm -hmm. And so like, how what what drives you, and where do you assess that? Because like, dude, I know you're not a billionaire, but like you've got you've got money, you've got connections, you've got like you could do whatever you wanted, right? And yet you choose very intentionally to be the husband that you are to your wife and to be the father that you are to your kids. And it's very obvious. Where does that come from? Um, so so I, I, I could probably answer this pretty accurately as I think out loud. Perfect. Right? Like it, um, it, it largely started uh, from my childhood. So my parents divorced when they were two, uh, when they were two, when I was two. <laughs> um, I'm the oldest of seven um oh really? Uh, I didn't know you had six younger siblings yeah so I have, I have six younger siblings so i have a, a brother that's two years younger than i am and then it skips 12 years and the other five are half brothers and sisters conceptually i didn't even realize that was a thing like and i remember um i was at my dad's house who remarried and i was talking to my stepbrother i would guess i was 13 and so he this stepbrother was probably around 16 17 at the time and and I said something about my siblings and he says, oh, so they're half brothers and sisters. And I was like, no. And he's like, but they have a different dad. And I'm like, yeah. So they're half brothers and sisters. I was like, oh, I guess you're right. So yeah. conceptually, I mean, that's just kind of like a side note. Conceptually, I never thought about it. So so I came from, you know, my parents were divorced. Um, my childhood was largely, uh, we, we would move a ton. So after my, my mom and dad divorced, um, then there was a window of time before, she remarried. So she's been married three times. Um, there was like a six year window. Uh, so I think between the ages of two and eight, sh she wasn't married. And that was living wherever we could live, living in friends' basements. And so like, that was totally like, you don't know what you don't know until right. you're older. Like, that's just like, that was just normal to me. Right. And so I never had consistency in, in a home. And so then she remarried, nice guy. Uh, they ended up getting divorced later. And then um, she married a third time who ended up being a gentleman that contributed largely in a negative way in my life, which I turned into a positive. And so that take, taking a couple of those, now we can go down a few paths. So one is I, I came from lower middle class. Um, and and so the, the one part I can't put my finger on as to why I am the way I am was the proactiveness, right? And so the willingness to go, I don't want that in my life. So how do I be intentional about avoiding it? Yeah. But for whatever reason, at a young age, I said, okay, if I want to learn from this and not repeat this, um, what are the common denominators? Okay, financial stability. Because financial stability is one thing that is missing that is causing us to move a lot, that's causing you know my mom to be uh, take support from men just to provide for her kids. Um, and so... I started to pay attention to things like that. And so then in comes um, my mom's third husband, um, alcoholic. Um, recently, he actually just passed away this year um, from the impact of his lifestyle choices. And growing up with that, then you bring in the component of instability, uh, violence. And so that was like, okay, I don't want that in my life. And so I was able to catalog things um, very clearly uh, of things I didn't want, which made me then go, what is the opposite of that then that I need to achieve to prevent that? 
And what's interesting is this could actually open up a whole dynamic to other, other conversations about like mental health. And, and so I'll come to that here in a minute. So I was very intentional about like, okay, what do I, by default, if I eliminate these certain things from my life, then it acquires these other things, the safety nets, right? And so mm -hmm. there was that. And then I'll, I'll kind of vomit a couple things and then you, we can come back and pick up wherever. And, so and, that, one second. And just, I want to make sure that the word choice. I noticed that you didn't say to do the opposite of those things. I noticed that you said to eliminate those things, right? Is that is that accurate? It's yes. not just doing the opposite. It was also just eliminating those. Uh, I wouldn't. Or both. Uh, I think there's probably a lot of weight to you bringing that up that I wouldn't have recognized. Yeah. Okay. All right, we'll keep going. We can come back so that, if we have so time. Well, yeah. that, that was probably more subconscious, but I think yep. you bring up a, a good point. Yeah. Um, so then it's like, so then fast forward a little bit. Um, my wife and I are married. We waited five years before we had kids. And so when we, when she was pregnant with her first kid, um, I had just started my business, which is a whole other story um, where I got to that point. And what happened was I remember sitting in our old house and I remember sitting in the living room and, and thinking like, okay, you know, there's a kid on the way and now let's reevaluate all the things largely that we just talked about foundational things that you want to bring to a family dynamic. And one of those being financial stability. So it's like, now is the time that you put in the extra hours because I have this window of yeah. however many months before she's due that that literally become, well, I guess not literally to your point, a choice of do I take away time from my family later to accomplish things? Um, or for me, it was like, well, put in the time now so I have more freedom later. And, and so I was very intentional about how I structured things even before my kids were born. Um, and then now that I have three kids, I'm very intentional about my calendar. And so I default them first in my availability. Uh, an example is between 7.30 and 9 a.m., it's always blocked off Monday through Friday, no matter what you can't get on my calendar. And then I do the same thing like 3 to 4 p.m. So when they're coming home, whether I pick them up or my wife picks them up, like I can uh, come up and say hi and give them a hug. Um, even if I have a call like at 9 and my kid's running late and they're still here, and, and even though technically the person was able to get on my calendar um, re respectfully, um, I will pause it. And I'm like, my kid's leaving give me five minutes, I'm going to say goodbye. Yeah. So, you know, none of those things are weird unless you make it weird. So when you're right. proactive about it, and to your point of, you know, it's become a, a core part of my values and in my visual, in the perception of my image, people know me as a family person. So therefore it allows me the freedom to reinforce that family priority. Um, that's a lot. There's a lot of paths yeah. from there. Yeah, and it's 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 okay. Because there's so so much that was covered here. Where do you think though the where do you think that you garnished or or formed this value that family was important versus money or success or fame or freedom to do whatever the frick you wanted, right? Because it's like once again, and I'm I'm asking this from the perspective of you're fascinating to me for a variety of reasons, right? But one of the biggest one being you're not coming at family is a good thing because of a religious grounding, right? Mm -hmm. You have come to that conclusion 
outside of any form of religion telling you that that that, that is so right so why why is that important to you like how did that is it just innate like did you study did you look at the world and go no family is a good thing was it instilled somewhere did, was it someone that you looked up to that like told you that did you read a book somewhere no you, it, no it, it, i i don't know definitively but in general it's it's uh through observation of the things that impacted me me as a kid and i'm and now that i'm in my 40s you know you forget some of those things especially right. as you build your own family and you you rewire those emotions um so i could only assume that a big chunk of it was a uh, self protection in some ways or it's like okay you know like okay little damon went through that and so how do you protect other people from that? Yeah, I'm sure it's part of that, but I would also challenge you. Um, you know, there was a really interesting thing, and, and this is interesting because, like, um, as you prefaced it, like this is not going to be religious talk, and and for the right. audience, you know, the reason why that's uh, funny or applicable is because Josh and I are he he's largely religious. I'm I don't know that I'd say I'm an atheist. You know, probably an agnostic, um, and that's not to say that I disagree with religion. It's just not my thing. I guess so him, yeah. him and I have talked about that behind closed doors, and so that's why this is such a dynamic conversation. What's interesting is like I feel safe in talking about this because I know that you know where our differences are, and this yeah. isn't like a manipulative discussion, right? Um, but there was a I I would also question on the other side is like why do morals have to come from a religious grounding? Why couldn't it be uh, just, a, I think you used a good word, innate. Um, you know, yeah. why, do, why do we have to justify morals? Yeah. And so the context of that question, well, I don't think morals come from religion. I think that moral or religion communicates morals, right? Mm -hmm. but, but like, I think morals come from God, right? I think that there is an intelligent creator that instilled morals into that. So that's a whole different discussion. But the mm -hmm. reason I asked the question specifically is, I grew up in a large family, eight kids, six younger, one older, right? Around in a very religious setting and was homeschooled. And most of the people around that I grew up around in a very, very small world were very religious, almost legalistically religious, right? And there was a lot of pain and a lot of brokenness and a lot of mm -hmm. um, frustration, right, for me. And it wasn't brokenness. And, you know, I, I wasn't around a bunch of people that were, you know, divorced and, and abusing each other. But I also saw the the complications that came with large families and lack of resources to tend to those families and the drama and the chaos and the lack, right? And I ran the other way. I was like, mm -hmm. I don't need family. I literally packed all mm -hmm. my stuff and moved across country to the middle of nowhere. I, 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 I left. I didn't go to relatives. I didn't stay with current family. And I was like, I'm going to figure this shit out on my own. I don't need anybody else. Mm -hmm. Right. And what brought me back to family was actually not me looking at family and being like, family's great. What brought me back to family and the values of family was because when I recommitted my life to God and I actually started studying that, I saw the value of family as a as a whole in society and as me as a man, like I felt like I had a role to play and that me as a man, if I wanted to, to, to have connection with my you know, spouse and when I studied marriage, I'm like, oh, what does that mean? Oh, fatherhood. Oh, the, and then once I started executing it, then I actually experienced the value of it and it became important to me. But like mm -hmm. my experience, it was, was very different, right? And so I came back to this value of family and of this because of 
morality and because of, of, of morals that I learned from, let's call it the Bible, right? Religious text. Whereas you came to that, not through that, right? You came to it to a very different conclusion. And I'm not trying to say that like your way or my way is right. I'm sure. simply trying to understand how you came to that conclusion because I think a lot of people that don't have religion, right? Or not religion, that's not real. That don't have some grounding some in some, mm -hmm. like they don't come to that conclusion. It has to be instilled somewhere but I could be wrong. And so I'm just curious how you came to that or how you, that was taught to you or communicated to you, or if it was just something that you always knew. It certainly wasn't taught. It certainly wasn't for, from witnessing it. It certainly wasn't from any sort of mentor. Um, I, I could probably simplify it really easy. If I had, if I had to pick something, the closest thing I could come up with is, is just the obviousness of connection in, yeah. in being a human, right? Yeah. Like with my kids, it's pretty obvious whether you want to be a father or not, that you are going to have an influence on their life. And that influence can either be positive or negative. Like there is no neutral. Yeah. And so I, I probably look at that with everybody. And, and that's actually something I've said quite literally to my oldest son is, um, you know, he had, there was a, one of his friends he, he stood, stood up for, there was a kid that was picking on him. And, and so he tried to start it he interjected himself in between to try and bring peace. The bully, the instigator was defensive back. And so then it escalated. Right. And so I was able to use that example with my son and say, you know, I admire you for, for having good intentions going into it, but can you identify where it fell apart? Which he clearly could. And I said, can you see why it fell apart? And it's because he started to play the game back. And that was an example for me to go, okay, so in all people, in any circumstance, whether it's a friendship, a spouse, a child, a business, like you are either contributing positively or you are contrib contributing negatively. Mm. And, and so I, I probably at some subconscious level at some point in my life just acknowledge that um, because I have little distinction between my wife and my kids versus other people as far as like uh, intentionality. Like I'm not yeah. going to go out of my way to like this ho hopefully this is communicated properly uh but it's like my wife and my kids of course they get special treatment to an extent but largely not and what i mean by that is i think everybody should be acknowledged in a positive way and so i'm not i'm not going out of my way like you versus my wife like if I can do something good for you versus do, you know, do something good for my wife, if I have the opportunity, I'm going to do something good for both of you. Right. And right. so I think I look at people in general as it's either a positive contribution or a negative contribution. Yeah, and and because sense. it's never going to be negative, therefore it's always positive. That makes sense. So for you then, you've achieved a level of success that if if most people probably particularly in America, would achieve, like, they would be happy if they achieved that in their lifetime, right? Financially, you have a good marriage, kids, good, all these things, right? And this is something that, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I feel like struggle plays a huge role in so many people's lives because if they don't struggle, they, like, lose sense of purpose, right? Because it's like... Mm -hmm. The, the struggle is their purpose to get out of struggle. Right. And then it's like, not that you don't struggle, but you know what I'm saying? Right. Like you don't have financial worries and you don't have, you know, a lot of the things which is commendable. So moving forward in life, what 
drives you or what is your sense of personal purpose and mission? Like, what are you building now? Like what, like what, why keep building the business? Why is it experience life with your kids? Like what, what is that sense of purpose, personal mission and, and yeah, driving factor now to continue doing it? Cause you clearly don't have to. It's an interesting question at an interesting point in my life. Um, so a couple of years ago, you know, I was talking about defining things and relationships and like what, how you can maximize it. That same concept. Um, I had never defined like a finish line in entrepreneurship. Right. And so one day somebody asked me, they said, you know, what's the number? And I've, and I've thought about, is there a number? And it's always been no. And so I'm not going to go figure it out. And then for whatever reason, when I was asked this time, I said, I don't know, but I don't want to figure it out. And the reason why I don't want to figure it out is because I don't want to be lazy. Because if I already have that number, mm. it's going to change my drive. And so then I deferred it for a while. And then I kept thinking about that dialogue in my head. And so then I came back and I said, you know what? I am going to define it, not for a finish line, but as a baseline. And, and so what I did was, what would I need to maintain my lifestyle. So what multiple, what sort of revenue would I need to hit a certain multiple minus taxes, all in cashed out, never do anything again to maintain where I'm currently at. And I figured out a number and I hit it nine months later. And, and that number was double where I had to have been at nine months prior. And so when I recognized that it was interesting because I'm glad I acknowledged before I defined that number that it wasn't going to be the finish line. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and so nothing changed at all. Literally nothing. It was like a blip on the radar in my thought and I moved on, but it's interesting to be able to acknowledge that, that like I could walk away now walking away from a baseline is largely different than walking away from what I think is possible. What I think yeah. is possible is, you know, 50 X where I'm at. But the more that I think about this, I think the majority of us get into entrepreneurship for financial incentive. If you're one step ahead, you also acknowledge for freedom of time. But when you start pursuing it and then you hit those baselines, like when you hit your, when you have your financial needs met at a core, not disposable income, but when you no longer have to worry about food on the table, mortgages, whatever it is you decide is, is safe then it, it gives you breathing room. So then you start, then you start looking at the financial pursuits as dreams, like right. would, would be nices. And then I've never had a strong desire for materialistic things. Every, everything that I purchased that's been a larger ticket has been um, either for family or legacy. So we have a nice house. We bought a six bedroom, four bath house when I had one 11 month old kid, mm -hmm. but it was intentional because I never wanted to move again. And I wanted a place big enough that we could grow into. And now we've grown into it. I bought lake properties and cabins for my kids. And those could be passed on for generations. And I've gone so far as to put them in trust so that they cannot come out of that family legacy mm. because I don't like, I've taken this proactive step to say, I don't want my kids to fight over this. Yep. Yep. And, and so everything, bigger ticket with one exception this year, I bought a car and I bought a car largely just to check it off my head. Not because yeah. I really want the car or care about the car. I just, it was more rewarding for me to go, okay, cool. I, I did it. Okay. Yep. Move on. Right. So your, your pursuits and your whys change. And then generally it evolves into legacy. 
or, or impact. So for me, I'm pretty confident in the legacy I've provided for my family. And so now it's like, okay, well, I still have a long runway in front of me. So how can I now expand that perspective into impact and legacy beyond my family? And so like we just did a big charity event last weekend where we did uh, Christmas gifts for 50 kids that were underprivileged in our area. And so now okay. it's like, how do we make impacts on things like that? Like I've paid off the entire county school lunch debt for kids that had past due lunch balances. And so it's like, how can I visibly see an impact in the community? And so I don't know the the full answer yet. And and this also ties into something you said earlier. Um, I can't remember what it was, but it was something that you said. I know, I know at one point you said like you ran from family. It yeah. wasn't that, but it was something close to that because what happens when, when you age and I wanted to talk to you directly about it. And that's why I'm frustrated. I can't remember what it was because it was applicable to this concept of your whys and your backgrounds and morals and what drives you and what your, what your grounding source is. Because as you get older, for me, what happened with the combination of all those things where it's like, okay, uh, grew up, you know, broken home, alcoholic stepdad, no financial stability and all those things. And it's like, okay, I, I made it. I protected my, I broke all the chains and, and shifted my future generations to come for multiple generations. And then you get to a point where you're like, who I remember what it was. You said, what's fun, right? Outside of business and family. Oh yeah. And people's like, people are like, what do you do? And you don't know. I'm in the same position right now, but now I'm addressing it. So I'd be interested for you to pay attention to this conversation and, and bookmark it for 10 and 20 years from now, because where I'm at now is I've been in the same position that you were like, I genuinely enjoy entrepreneurship. I can honestly say, I don't know either. So I know exactly what you're saying when you're like, what do you do outside of family and work? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Travel a lot, but that's because it's family. Right. And that, and that's my thing, right? If it's like, if I do something outside of my work with the exception of church, right? Because I'm like, I really do. Like, I love studying Jesus specifically. Funny enough, I'm studying, I'm reading um, a book that, so Dan, you know, Dan Henry, Dan Henry's Muslim mm -hmm. now. And his mm -hmm. wife is like super duper, right? And like covers and like, the you know, isolates and like the whole nine yards. And so they, they also have Jesus in their religion, but it's, obviously not the same. I mean, it's the same person, but like, they don't believe he's not a God and all this. So I'm reading mm -hmm. a book about Jesus from the Muslim perspective. Mm -hmm. So like for me though, outside of this, it's Leah. And so like yeah. we travel, we do things. It's fun because that's what she enjoys and, and, and family and, and things of that nature. But like the reason I started the podcast is because the podcast combined essentially for me, the two things that I loved doing the most, which was one, entrepreneurship, providing financial means, right? And second, studying big, important life, philosophical and religious questions, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, what would you do for the rest of your life? I'm like, interview people, ask questions, have conversations. That's it. That's, uh, I don't have anything outside of that. Yeah. So if somebody asked you and I, and they said, okay, Josh, um, take all the things you do in a day mm -hmm. and I'm going to have you remove something one at a time. Okay. So remove entrepreneurship, remove your wife, remove your kid remove the podcast, remove religion. We're looking at just Josh as an individual. Who is Josh outside of those things? And what could Josh do outside of those things? 
And so when I'm at, like, when people say, what would you do for fun uh, outside of that? I don't have an answer. Yeah. Because I'm like, who is Josh? Josh is a child of God saved by him. I'm powerful. I'm influential. I'm wealthy. I'm free. Like that's who I am. So like in that capacity with those four things, that's who I am. I then use those things inside the context of business and studying and. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now in 10 or 20 years, uh, a shift happens, or at least for me, and I assume the majority of people that have the financial stability and the freedom of time to pause and look at it from this way. Who, who is Damon outside of an entrepreneur, father, and a husband? I have no idea. And and so this is the journey that I'm going through. And this is Mm. what I'm curious as in your 10 and 20 years from now is like, I think you, I think you're correct. Those that, that is who you are. And you might not fully understand the analogy I'm trying to make uh, of who is Josh outside of those things. Yeah. But at some point I'm willing to bet you it, it'll make sense because I've always been like, no, I'm a family man and a husband and an entrepreneur. There's a different version of Josh that is just completely isolated, broken down Josh. And it's a weird place to be in because I don't know the answer. And so this ties into where I made a brief comment about like, you you know, you talk about all these things and bring them together to mental health. And it's like, so I got to a point like a year ago where it's like all these things that have given me superpowers, right? Okay. Don't bring in financial instability to my family. Don't bring in violence and negativity, like create roots, create a safety net uh, and a, a bubble for your family. So they're protected. Right. I've done it. Right. And so what happened was like a year ago, um, my mom just started taking up space in my head because I largely blame my mom more than my stepdad for his violence because she mm. allowed it. She brought it in and she yeah. let it sustain. And so even though I took all those things that I experienced and I said, okay, that can either make or break me and I chose for it to make me, then for a long time, I I thought I was like at peace. Like I, I did the right thing and I, you know, yeah. broke all those chains, which are true. But then what happened is I just started to have like this mental exhaustion. And it, it's like, I would wake up pissed off at my mom. I'd wake up frustrated. And and it wasn't a specific event or a day or anything. It was just like this, this general cloud of frustration. And so being the proactive person that I am, it's like, well, if I see a problem and you're largely the same way, you see a problem, you're like, well, I, I see this, I identify the solution on the other side of it. And then I just break through it. Right. Right. So anything that's ever been in my way, I just figure out the solution and I get it out of my way. Yeah. And I couldn't figure out how to get my mom out of my head. And so like after a year of this, I finally was like, okay, I'm going to go figure out somebody um, that can help me. And so I searched like, you know, a uh, high performance therapist and things like that to yeah. try and find so, like a large thread that we've talked about in this conversation is like people understanding uh, your, we'll call it your first world problems, right? The must be nices and things like that. Yeah. Because even though you, those are fortunate positions to be in, doesn't devalue how much emotional weight comes with them. 100%. So I finally found somebody um, that I, I was really fortunate. First person I went to talk about like these types of really deep personal things, I felt like understood and I could have a conversation with and not only had to be vulnerable with comfortably, but also at a level of intelligence where I felt like whether they truly understood me or not, they made me feel like they understood me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so one visit and she got my mom out of my head. Wow. And now I still go to this lady because 
it, it's interesting to go, what else can I solve? Like what other things are there? So I, I largely still go for two reasons. I don't, the majority of times I go in now, I don't know what the topic's going to be because yeah, I don't yeah. really have any other problems. It was just my yeah. mom that was bothering me. But I still go in for two reasons. One is because it gives me a place to shut the hell up. And so I can go in, like when you're in positions of running your business or in positions of authority, you don't get challenged a lot. And so you're the one that maintains the momentum. And so you have to be very intentional to step outside of your comfort zone to go, am I still heading in the right direction or is my perspective still accurate? Mm. And so it's, it's been really interesting to go into a neutral environment that's non-objective and then just get everything out and then be told unobjectively, like, here's a different way you could look at this. And, and so it's been fascinating. So, yeah. so think about, think about it in the years to come. Well, and it's interesting. I'm going to, because like my answer to that would be outside of everything, like at the very, very core of everything is, is I'm a servant of Christ. And I don't know if that's the actual answer that uh, answers the actual question you're even asking. That's just what comes to my head there. Cause like mm -hmm. everything, like there is no other, there is nothing else outside in my head for me. There is nothing that is of any meaning or any significance of anything of anything without Christ. So like there's that. It'll be interesting, my opinion on this in 10 years, though. And we'll have to come back in 10 years. I mean, we'll do several yeah. podcasts before that, I'm sure. But to, like, do that. Um, it's interesting to, have you? to... No. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I did... Um, I've gone to Academy Clinic. Yeah. Okay. But... So close, but yeah. The Yeah, so it's interesting to try and find who you are without associating yourself to, with anything else. But right. I don't think that's, I don't think that's like, I don't, because I believe in, 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 because I believe in Christ, because I know Christ to be real, like, that would be like being like, you should think about the world without thinking about how it was created. And you're like, well, how can you assess the world if you don't assess how it was created? Right. And so it's like, for me, it's like, I can't think of myself not in proportion to anything else. Like, like I've done, I'm pretty open about my psychedelic journey. Right. And like, I try, like I, you know, I'll, I'll go and, you know, I'll do LSD or like whatever. And I'm like down and like, I try to get to nothingness and it's just like, no, there's always a thing. There's always something else. And that it, that is, is God, right. There, there's this other thing. And so to me, like, I don't believe there is anything outside of Christ. And I don't think you can factor for me. I don't think I can factor myself outside of Christ because that would be like, well, but he's there. And I'm okay. created in his image. That's what it says. That's what he said. So, yeah. I don't I, think it's I don't, possible. I don't think there, you know, I, I don't know the answer. Yeah, and of I course. Don't, not, yeah. I, I don't know my answer. I certainly yeah. don't know your answer. I think the concept of, is it possible to break you down to your simplest form is something that as you get older, I, I think your perspective will. will I, it, I, I know it will, for sure. Yeah. And it'll be, it'll be interesting. Well, Damon. Thank you. I appreciate it. We've been on for 90 minutes almost. Crazy. Maybe a little longer than that. Um, I appreciate yeah. your time coming on. I do have a couple rapid fire questions to wrap up here, if that's cool Let's with you. It. Yeah. Okay. I've thought of some new ones here and I one of them came up here. What what makes you mad? Like genuinely mm -hmm. like angry, like like not just like eh, I'm annoyed or oh that maybe these mad. have to be like, rapid fire answers. Yeah. Like what makes you mad? 
um, I'll give two answers to, okay. uh, uh, and I'll try and keep these short. Um, a literal answer is um, uh, lack of re acknowledging responsibility. Like I'll tie that into like victim mentality mindset, right? Like okay. a lack of acknowledging the uh, your participation in your circumstances, right? Okay. Um, let me let me give a half answer on top of that. Okay. Um, when we're talking about like therapists and things like that, I am not a person that gets mad. I am aware. <laughs> and my ther my therapist asked me an interesting question. She said, "Do you have shame in that?" And I said, "No, not at all." Um, if the and I made up a theoretical example of you know somebody uh, a violent circumstance like so an aggressor uh, coming at my family, I would get mad, right? Right. Um, but in general, I think that through the evolution of the discussions we've had about childhood and things like that, which you're exposed to, um, it's been interesting to to acknowledge like is that, or to question, is that something that I intentionally suppress? Hmm. Interesting. Next, All next right. question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what's one bucket list item that you haven't been able to, or that you have not yet accomplished in life? I want to, I think I'm going to try and do it next year. Um, I want to check my kids out of school and travel for a while. Um, I have no problem with it. Um, getting them on board is, is a different, different challenge. Really? Getting your kids on board is difficult. Yeah. They, they get used to it. Like, even though it's like, and it's fascinating too, because, you know, now is significantly different than when you were a kid versus even the generation before It's like now, like half the time your kids hang out, like they, they're still communicating. They're still on their phones, they're still on computers. Yeah. Like you'll still talk to your friends and play Fortnite every night. Like, what are you talking about? Oh man. All right. So traveling with them, what's one thing that you knew for absolutely true like that you were completely certain of when you were younger let's say in your 20s that you no longer believe to be true or know to be different mm. uh i think a part it's kind of similar to the first question is um a, i i've come to acknowledge that uh some people will never accept their own influence on their own life like before it used to be like okay i guess a better way to say this is like i thought you could change people's minds i thought you could teach them and i thought you could show them things and there are so there are more people than i expected to be whether blissfully or intentionally ignorant to the circumstances in their life yeah. and uh, it's been really hard for me to not help people yeah that's good yeah, it's gonna be rough. All right, last question. Um, you're at the end of your life. Fast forward, and every person that you've been called to impact. So not every person on earth, right? But every person that you've been called to to serve, to impact, to to touch their life. Um, you get to leave them. They're gonna forget basically everything that you've ever taught them or told them or anything, right? But you get to leave them with with one core message, one core idea that they will 100 percent believe to be true you don't, you don't need justification for it you don't need to explain why it's just a factual answer of or a factual statement of this is this mm -hmm. what is that message or piece of wisdom that you would what's the message to them i got the idea i'm probably going to slaughter it verbally but something along the lines of in the end so much of so little of this matters like all the the day-to-day -day crap, all the 
drama, all the, even the financial pursuits, like once you, once your base needs are met, like it's the end of your life and it's all gone anyway. So do the things you enjoy, uh, all the, you know, all the cliche answers, like it's all about relationships in the end. So little of this matters. really matters. All right. Well, Damon, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you coming on. Um, we will link all of your socials and stuff down below. Do you have anything that you're promoting right now or you want people to go check out? Uh, you can just hit damonburton.com. Um, it's got all the socials. And then on it, it's got my uh, free SEO book if you want to dive into marketing. Sweet. Damon, thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Guys, that's it. We'll see you next time. Peace.